Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Geek Steve. I'm Rika. And my name is Kelly. How you doing, Kelly? I'm good. I think it's been a long week for us both. And I'm really excited to kind of let loose after a very busy feeling week with a frankly batshit crazy fandom. (laughs) You know, I, I, I agree with you. I think I knew when we decided to do this fandom, like, oh, this is going to be crazy because it's not like I hadn't seen it. I had seen it. So I knew what I was getting myself into and then revisiting it this week. I was just like, oh, this is, this is bananas, like top to bottom, just wild ride, nonsensical ride, a ride. I'm really happy we took because it is a fandom that is radically different than anything we've ever attempted before. Honestly, there's nothing, some things may be partially related, but we've never delved into this world at all. I totally agree. We're going like very modern in terms of TV shows. I, is this the most modern one that we've covered? I mean, it's not the most recent because like we did Mandalorian, you know, we did things that have come out since this show first aired because it's now in its sixth or seventh season. But it's certainly uh, I don't want to use the word like populist. You know what I mean? Like where it's I don't know. It's just this is unlike anything we've ever done. I really hope we can make heads or tails of it. If we don't listeners enjoy the freaking ride because it's wild. Um, but before we do that, Kelly, what's in your cup? I am drinking today a tea from David's tea, a long retired tea from David's tea that I've like tapped out of my own stash steep uh, today. And that's ginger pear. Not for any reason really relating to the fandom, although I'm now realizing I picked a ginger tea and our lead character is a ginger, but that is no coincidence. Uh, I more picked it today because the weather outside is that weird, like, gray, and it feels at the drop of a hat like it's going to thunder out. Mm -hmm. Just intense storm and that would be on track for the week we had tornado warnings here in montreal this week which is i've never seen it insane never never happened to me i've never heard that in montreal like in 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 other regions that are close yes but tornado warning in montreal that was a first for me it was wild uh so yeah i've stuck with cozy is the vibe today well done. I like the choice. Ginger pear. I've never had it, but it just on paper, it sounds really cozy, lightly fruity. Exactly the kind of tea you want with the weather that is today. And also, I love what little care really you gave in trying to pair it with the fandom because that actually works with the fandom where you're just going to pick something. And then work with it because I feel like that's what everyone on this show, writers, directors, actors, everyone's just, you know what? Let's just go with it. So you're fitting the vibe very, very well. I like it. I decided that I don't want to call today's fandom low brow, but I just don't have a better word for it. And please, dear listeners, understand, I love low brow. I'm not giving any, I'm not condescending. I'm not, you know, saying it's, it's not cultured. I just think that's what it is. That's what this fandom is. And I got a new tea order uh, in the past two weeks from Camellia Sinensis. I ordered this year's Suji Chun and I got myself some Natashiko Black, um, you know, just standby teas that I always have. And I decided to try a tea from their tea studio called the Nilgiri Puar Maucha. And their tea studio, we've discussed it before, is in India and they uh, produce with local leaves Uh, grades and flavors that are usually traditionally made in other countries, such as China and Taiwan. Um, I was a little worried about steeping this cup in a mug because usually for my pours, I like to make them gong fu. Um, But as you know, Kelly, I broke two of my gaiwans this week, not one, but two. (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately uh, we witnessed the downfall and, Hopefully uh, you've laid them to rest in a nice and beautiful ceremony. 
I haven't. I've just put them on the shelf because just the lids broke. So I, I'm waiting for inspiration. I mean, I think any tea drinker knows the pain of like the, the Gaiwan lid breaking and then you have a perfectly beautiful vessel, but no way to use it. So I'm hoping I get some kind of inspiration on like what to do with these because I bought both of them 12 years ago in China. Like I'm not replacing them. Um, and also one of them was a really large Gaiwan and I find those harder to find in North America. So I'm really, you know, listeners, if anyone can uh, slide into the, our DMs suggestions where to get a large form Gaiwan that is not decorative, please let me know because I need to replace it. Um, but all this to say, I decided to go high with my pick today. I was like, let me make a fine tea, if a Nilgiri Puar Maucha, something that is just like poetic and beautiful and took a lot of creativity and a lot of work to make this profile and just, you know, years in the making and pair it with like the ketchup Cheetos of television. Because like, this is- I love it. So much. It's uh, <laughs> definitely challenging competition grade dong ding for birdemic vibes in like exactly. the best way. You kind of feel like weirdly empowered when you're like, hey T, you take yourself seriously, but I don't. Exactly. It is. It is a kind of like, look, I have so much respect for this tea and for all the work that gets done at Tea Studio. But at the end of the day, it's my cup of tea it's my choice and I get to do with it what I please and yeah your birdemic dong ding really inspired me to be like well what if what if I paired something that is so incongruous that it actually makes the whole situation work and it it definitely worked it definitely definitely worked and it's working well it's working well in the big mug honestly I reduced my steep time that was my they recommended three to four minutes and I really I went with three I was really like because this is a thick rimmed mug I don't want it to keep like overheating in it and it's a very it's very smooth it's actually turned out to be very very smooth which is uh, different than when I stated it in my remaining guy one earlier in the week. So that's my pick for today. So Kelly, what are we discussing today? We are talking about Riverdale. Oh boy. Okay. Riverdale. This, this was a wild ride. I think at the, if we had done this in like the first season of Geeks Deep, I would have been like, is this a geek? But because you know how restrictive I am with my definition of what is a geek, but I have seen at Comic-Con people, many people um, cosplaying Riverdale and having the jacket from the gang that's in the show. And like there is what I would call a more traditional fandom, like a Comic-Con going fandom associated to this teen soap opera. And it's because it's, you know, based in Archie comics, that's, you know, it, it has a long history to it. And that's kind of why I started watching it a few years ago, because I grew up loving Archie comics. Like I always had an Archie comic in my backpack from the age of like seven on, because my mom was a fan of Archie comics when she was a kid and they always sold them at the time. I think maybe they sold you in the supermarket checkout. Yeah. Are you, I'm- positive they still have them in at least some supermarkets but absolutely I remember checking out uh usually actually with my grandma uh which is hilarious because she's also my introduction to Archie comics and it would be the thick like Archie digest the double digest Mm -hmm. oh if you could get a double digest you were having the greatest next two days you know um yeah and Archie is I don't know like I haven't reread an Archie Double Digest in 30 years, like probably 30 years, 25, 30 years. But I even then I knew it was wholesome. You know, even then I knew it was small town America. This boy, Archie, likes two girls and Reggie's his enemy and Jughead is his like beatnik best friend. And they all have chocolate malts at Pops. And, you know, the stories usually revolve around Archie's car breaking down or like, you know, he doesn't know who to ask to the dance, you know. 
And what was interesting is those comics, the double digests were, you'd have like maybe, I don't know, like 10 or 15 stories in each of them. And sometimes it was Archie from the sixties. Sometimes it was Archie from the eighties. Sometimes it was Archie from the forties, all intermixed. So you'd get a kind of feel for the character throughout the decades, you know? Um, And I think that kind of all crash coursed us into knowing these characters really, really deeply and intimately. And that's kind of what made it so cool. And it was cheap and it was accessible. And what parent says no to buying you a book in line at the grocery? You know what I mean? Can I have the chocolate bar? No. Can I have the Archie comic? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, The Archie comic was usually cheaper than the chocolate bar. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. It's a win-win for the parents. Absolutely. My grandma collected the comics um, and I'm sure she collected them because her kids, you know, my mom, uh, my aunts and uncle would have been probably around. Certainly my older aunts probably would be closer uh, to your mom's age. Right. So, yeah, I don't know exactly how that maths out, but same generation who grew up with the, the Archie comics. So she had stacks and stacks of them so we would go in the summer and be on summer vacation a couple weeks there and you know it's the middle of uh nowhere eyebrows saskatchewan very rural you know you can't don't have a lot to do we didn't have like internet i've talked about it before like she's still uh or they still have dial up there like it's it's a different era digitally (laughs) right you know, nine at night when it's like curfew and grandma's like, no, 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 you got to go to your room. You take that stack of Archie comics that's like 50 comics thick. And that's what you read, you know, every, every summer. I got to know those characters super intimately. And I mean, the decade or so we spent doing summer vacation at grandma's, it was the same comics over and over. Hundreds of them. Yeah, absolutely. I... I know exactly what you mean. Like, obviously my experience was different. Like I grew up in Montreal, but um, those summer days when like your parents are working and you're off from school and either like I would be either in my parents' office or we would be at home with someone. Archie is about eating a popsicle in that crazy heat late into the night and just loving Betty, loving Veronica, loving all the tangential characters, Josie and the Pussycats, like all of them, those characters, you were, you lived in Riverdale. You really did live in Riverdale and the stories were simple. It was easy reading, even at the age of seven or eight, if you know, you're not reading novels, Archie was really easy to digest quickly and in a fun way. And so I think there's a lot of nostalgia for a lot of people for those comics. And I think even if you didn't read the comics, you know, the comics, it's that it's that big that people know what Archie comics are. And you can say like, are you a Betty or a Veronica or whatever? And like, it's part of the culture. And I do remember they tried to do like a TV movie in the nineties with Archie and it wasn't very good. I watched part of it and it wasn't great. And so when this show got announced, I was like, so excited. I was like, this is amazing. This is going to be great. And I watched like the first five minutes and I was like, oh, they're going to do something different with these beloved characters. So we've talked a lot about the Archie comics. I think we're probably going to continue to make those comparisons this episode because really both of us, it seems these comics were important uh, to us growing up. But before we get into more of those direct comparisons, maybe it's time for the what the geek. Okay, everybody. Deep breath. Kelly, guide us in. Based on the characters from Archie Comics, Riverdale is an American teen drama series adapted by Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, chief creative officer of Archie Comics for the CW. In association with Berlanti Productions, the series is produced by Warner Bros. Television and CBD Studios. Filmed in British Columbia, Canada, the series stars KJ Appa, Lily Reinhardt, Mila Mendez, and Cole Sprouse as Archie Andrews, Betty Cooper, Veronica Lodge, and Jughead Jones, respectively. Debuting in January of 2017, the first season focused on the aftermath of the death of Jason Blossom. 
twin brother to Cheryl Blossom, a secondary character played by Madeline Petsch. Though initially believed to have drowned to death in a freak accident, it's revealed early in the season that Jason was murdered. From the reveal, the majority of the first season operates under the framework of a murder mystery. Overall, the first season was met with critical praise and holds a score of 88% based on 63 reviews on review aggregator site Rotten Tomatoes. Compared by critics to Twin Peaks and Dawson's Creek, Entertainment Weekly similarly praised the show as having built a sturdy and appealing foundation. Among other accolades, Riverdale's first season won seven of its eight Teen Choice Award nominations. Despite overall praise, the show has not been without criticism in particular for its treatment of minority characters. In discussion about Josie and the Pussycats, a Vulture article negatively noted how the group, played by all African-American actresses, are treated more as a vehicle for a message rather than as fully realized and interesting characters. IndieWire, a film review website, also criticized the show for perpetuating negative stereotypes about its minority characters, such as reducing Kevin Keller to the role of gay best friend. The asexual community has also loudly spoken out against the deliberate choice to portray Jughead Jones, a character who is canonically asexual in many Archie comic series, as heterosexual. In response, actor Cole Sprouse expressed a personal preference to the character's asexuality being portrayed, but also noted that he was excited for whatever journey the writers have in mind for the character. Currently in its sixth season, Riverdale was renewed for a seventh season set to begin airing in spring of 2023. This season will be the series' final season. Okay, sorry. There's a lot of things I want to pick apart, but the one that I need to get out of my system is how Entertainment Weekly, which is a publication that I respect and read, they're basically the reason people still watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> they're constantly talking about that show. Um, I'm not going to equate this show to Twin Peaks. Come on. Come on. Like Twin Peaks is not my favorite show. Maybe we'll get into it one day, but it's a masterpiece. It's an undeniable artistic expression. Riverdale kind of just happens to you. you know? <laughs> like, it's, and, you know, it definitely feels like a stretch. It's a bit of a stretch. I understand why they did it because from the, the from minute one, this show is dark. It's one of those shows that's filmed entirely in like green and blue. You know what I mean? Where it's like really, really cold. They make yeah, I call that the twilight filter. It's the twilight filter. You're right. It's entirely in the twilight filter. Um, and, you know, it's surrounding this murder mystery and who killed this kid. And Archie has a dark secret and Betty has a dark secret and Veronica has a dark secret. And it's like everybody has a dark secret in this town. All the neon lights are flickering in and out all the time. You know, they're really going for mood. Um, I kind of remember people talking about it when it first came out. And I just kind of waited for it to come on to Netflix. But I don't remember what anybody was saying about it. I think that's why I was so surprised when I started watching as to what the tone was. Yeah, I was super, super on board with the dark tone because honestly, it wasn't really that out of left field for anything based on the Archie comics. I mean, they get weird. There's a lot of Archie crossover. There's an entire zombie-themed series of Archie. There's Archie versus Predator. There's superhero crossovers. What? Have you never read Archie versus Predator? No. Oh, it is batshit insane in the <gasps> best way. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Because I think, yeah, the Archies I read, 40s to 80s. That's all I know. I don't know about anything Archie 90s on. So that's what I was saying earlier at the top of the episode. You know, most of the episodes revolved around Archie's car breaking down or, you know, helping pops at the local, like, diner owner you know, make money for a school drive, you know, that like, that's what I remember. And that's completely true that the majority of it is absolutely that, but they had fun with their spinoffs. So really? murder mystery, you know, TV series adapted on Archie characters. I was immediately on board. And then because I watched the first season we should say we're calling this a new episode. We're both kind of lying. We both have dabbled in this 
series before. Right. But it was, it was new enough. Like I was concerned about talking about it because it's kind of like when we did Hamilton where it was like, okay, we've never done a Broadway musical. Like, how are we speaking to this? Um, so it's new in the sense that like, we really had to get out of our comfort zones in terms of preparing the episode and getting it ready for getting, getting Riverdale geek steep ready was definitely a new experience. So, I mean, you're right. You're absolutely right. I don't know. I was just so into the concept and I watched the first season as it aired and yeah, the murder mystery thing was a huge pull for me. I gotta be honest. Probably the bigger poll was the idea that maybe we were going to see another asexual character in a mainstream series. We've talked about it on the show. I'm asexual. I can count the number of asexual characters in media like in under five fingers. There's Todd from Bojack Horseman, Raphael from Shadowhunters, and uh, Jughead. And that is, that is like it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, So it was exciting. And as someone who read the comics and related heavily to the character of Jughead, who didn't want to date people, had no interest in girls, was more sarcastic and aloof and unbothered by the relationship drama of Archie and Betty and Veronica and all his other friends and just wanted to like have a good burger. (laughs) It was so relatable. And, you know, in the in the 2000s, when they canonically announced Jughead as asexual, it felt like being seen, but it was really, it felt like being seen in a way where, like, they hadn't, you know, retconned the history of this character. Everything about him had always fit under, you know, the, the pillars or the trademark traits, you know, if you want to call them that, of an aromantic asexual person and it was just giving a name to say hey look this character is here you're not wrong for relating to him as a child and asexual people queer people have been in comics media etc as early as the 1940s it wasn't a betrayal of the character it was an acknowledgement that like no 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 He's always been there and always been like that. So I was stoked. And then that they, is they riverdale. <laughs> yeah, they riverdaled me. It's not the route they went under uh, with the character at all, even a little bit. Arguably, Jughead's the most horny of the characters. Yeah, I think that the first time that I learned about asexuality as a part of someone's identity as someone who's bisexual, it was, it's like counterintuitive. You're like, what do you mean? Like, I don't understand what, um, what drives that person. Like, I don't, it's, it's, it's just not easily explained just as all identities are not easily explained. When you first hear them, you can't just go like, okay, you want to be like, well, what does that mean exactly? And it's helpful to have examples and, having Jughead canonically, as you said, always been like that. When I heard, well, Jughead's asexual, I was like, oh, oh, okay. (laughs) I was like, I get it now because I understood that this character was that and it was really, really helpful. Um, I didn't think that they were going to put it in the show. Honestly, it never occurred to me because to me, teen dramas, and I've never watched teen dramas. I've seen maybe a total of 10 hours of various teen dramas throughout my whole life, um, are always predicated on the notion that these teens are incredibly horny and are always trying to have sex with each other. So I wasn't like surprised that they changed Jughead in that way. I was like, well, that's what these teen dramas do, you know? I think Um, it was most insulting because they made Kevin a pretty significant character. Right. And Kevin Keller was the first canonically gay character in Archie comics. Mm -hmm. And one of the first canonically gay characters in any comic series. Okay. So he's a pretty important character to Archie's publication history. And it was really frustrating because they introduced these like, lesser known in the in the history of Archie comics we'll say 
Kevin Keller is a, a pretty modern Archie Comics edition. So the salt in the wound was kind of that they had added in this character and they were flaunting themselves as a very progressive show for having, you know, a gay main character. But then they deliberately made the choice to erase the identity of one of the core four, like, Archie comics. Right. Right. And they also changed the sexuality of other characters. They made Moose, who's, like, only redeeming quality in the entirety of Archie comics, is his, like, love and commitment to Midge. They made him gay and a cheater. So. That hurt me because, yeah, Moose's commitment to Midge is legendary and beautiful. And they have ultimately the healthiest romantic relationship in Archie comics. And they just destroyed it. And I really felt like it was, I don't know, it was for drama. But I think a lot of Riverdale does that. It takes what you know and love about these characters and just flips it kind of for shock value and sometimes it works and sometimes you're just like but why would you do that and I think it was very smart because I think it got us all talking about this show because if they had just replicated Riverdale I think ultimately we would have been disappointed if they just replicated Archie comics I mean we would have been like well, that's not exactly it. We would have nitpicked, but it's kind of like they just threw a grenade into the whole series and went, we're starting, we're doing whatever we want. We're going to take what we want and leave what we don't. So I'm sure there's other people out there who are upset about other things that got left behind. I can only imagine. There's some things that are really nice, like having um, different ethnic backgrounds for traditionally like white characters that's kind of fun. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I know there's been criticism about Josie and the Pussycats, but it was really nice to see, you know, black characters in that role to have Veronica be of Latino heritage. That was really cool. I mean, I thought that was awesome. Reggie as well is Asian. Exactly. So you sometimes I'm not up for like rewriting things or just inserting minority characters for the sake of inserting minority characters. But I did, I liked some of the changes. So I think I reconciled with that where they do something where I'm like, how could you? And then I'm like, Oh, that's actually pretty cool. That doesn't diminish what you're feeling about Jughead in any way. It's just how that's how I came to the geek where I was like, all right, y'all are just doing whatever you want. And I'm game. So I guess on that note, we've kind of structured this a little bit differently because the plot is kind of just batshit fucking insane. It doesn't matter, you guys. It doesn't matter. matter. (laughs) So we've broken it into things that were true to the comics that they kept that worked. Mm -hmm. Things that they changed where the change was good. And then what the fuck why did someone approve that change exactly there are three categories yes okay so stuff that they kept that worked do you want to start i think the biggest one or at least the one that stood out to me was the like frenemy dynamic between betty and veronica it would have been really really easy to Pick one side of that coin, either like, oh, these girls fucking hate each other or like are complete best friends. But it wouldn't honor the comics where they are kind of best friends, but kind of real fucking catty to each other. Like they are actively competing for the same guy. And it was refreshing to see that they updated that and modernized it and to know why they're fighting. What are the things that are making them uh, kind of like crack and the foundation of that friendship a lot more shaky but I thought it played out really well I was glad that they honored that I completely agree honestly the relationship between Betty and Veronica is the most nuanced and the two actresses play it very well I think it's very hard to be friends one moment rivals the next but rivals throughout their friendship and friends throughout their rivals, if that makes any sense. It's a very nuanced, you know, portrayal that these two actresses are putting forth and they really nailed it. And I think it wouldn't have worked. It doesn't work on paper. And it's those two actresses who sell it. Honestly, they really, 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 really sell it. Um, I enjoyed it. 
It was my probably my favorite part of the first three episodes. I don't remember the rest of the series, but I'm sure that they kept that chemistry going uh, throughout. I have nothing to add to this list. And it's not to say that there isn't stuff that worked. There's a lot of stuff that worked. There isn't anything that they kept and didn't change at all. Like every other thing I was thinking of, they did change. I think Um, maybe the only other thing that I would leave in the like things that were accurate and worked was the idea of like um, Archie is very popular. They they played around a little bit in like why he was popular, but definitely that was an important consistent, but it didn't feel as impactful, you know? I don't remember Archie being popular, and I don't know if it's because I read a lot of the 60s heavy ones where he he wasn't popular. He did a lot of things and he got along, but he was that was kind of the the decade where they decided to make him a little bit more of like an outlier. Um, so to me, I'm like, they picked a decade where Archie's popular, but I remember the Archie that I fell in love with was not <laughs> the Archie that close to my That's heart fair. was not. <laughs> um, okay. Stuff that they changed that worked. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that, okay. In the original Archie comics, the adults were old Anyone who is an adult in an Archie comic has no hair, gray hair, um, glasses, is, you know, wearing a smoking jacket, is, you know, the parents of the teenagers are old. The teachers are old. And what they did in Riverdale is the same thing that they do for most of the show is they make everyone younger. And so Archie's dad is arguably 12 years older than the actor himself but the teachers are younger the parents are younger and i think it worked with one exception to that but we'll get into that later but, but I, I love it i, I love it so much. agree with you it, i love it so much as fucked up as it is i love it so much that to me it worked right so um and I think they were very smart in the casting of the actors that they chose for the parents. Luke Perry of 90210 fame as Archie's dad is a brilliant, brilliant move. Yeah, um, rest in peace. Yeah, exactly. But it was it was a brilliant move. It, it, it made for the, the characters to be less stodgy in the comic book. They were very stodgy and they had rules and they never broke them. And, you know, parents just don't understand kind of situation. And so it gave the, and also in the comics, they were very stereotyped. They were very stereotyped as being old, you know? And so I appreciated that. I thought at first I was like, Oh, this is an easy play. Make everyone younger. But then I was like, nah, it kind of works. It kind of works for the character development. I like it. What character development there was, it works. (laughs) Well, on that note, I really like the changes they made to Veronica in terms of her family dynamic. In the comics, she is incredibly fucking wealthy. Like, 1% wealthy. And it makes her really stuck up and not super relatable. But in Riverdale, what they've done is make it so that she, yes, is from a very, very well-off family and she is still kind of like 1%, but her father has just been sent to prison for fraud. They're in a really rough patch economically and she's basically gone from never having to worry about money ever to her mom trying to get a job as a waitress at Pop's Chocolate Shop. So it really humanizes the character. It makes her instantly a lot more empathetic and sympathetic, uh, both for us as viewers, finding like sympathy for her, but her as a character, finding more empathy towards like Betty or other people who in the past, maybe she wouldn't have been as kind to. Mm -hmm. And I think it actually, from the get-go, gave her a place where she can have an arc that wouldn't have been able to exist in the comics. So I think that is a really brilliant change. Yeah, I agree. I think I, I enjoy everything that they did with Veronica, honestly, which um, which was smart because I think a lot of people in the past didn't like Veronica. She's not a particularly likable character. And if you need one of your main characters to at least have some audience empathy, you have to make some changes. And I kind of agree with all the changes that they made. 
my next stuff that they changed, but that worked is a, is a little broad, but I really liked it. And it was the slight and delicate changes they made to the details. So like Jughead's hat in the original comics is like a weird paper crown thing that he wears. And here it's a, like a toque with some raised points. I was like, I like that nod to the character. I really enjoyed that nod to the character. Um, The fact that Pops has the best burgers and they just, I don't know, they like show the burger. I don't know. They were like a little thing. Smithers, Veronica's butler is there. They said, ah, Smithers, it's been so long. I was like, Smithers was a legit character from the comics. I'm so happy to see him. There was a kind of respect for all the tiny little details that made Archie what it was at like when I was reading it at least and things change but the fact that they were there at least made me feel like behind the scenes the people who were making this show also grew up reading Archie comics and cared about Archie comics and it's so important when you like re-energize a fandom for a new generation or for a new era that you feel like the people who are doing it like really care about it like Kevin Feige and the MCU is the best example I can think of say what you will about Kevin Feige he's a Marvel comic books fan he knows his comics he knows his characters and it was all those tiny little details that I just thought you know when Josie and the Pussycats have their little ears I was mm-hmm. like, that's, that's nice. You could have, it wasn't necessary. You could have completely erased that. And from the perspective of a show in the first, you know, half of the 21st century, not necessary, but you left it in. So I, I appreciated that. I thought very cool of you to make the extra effort of, you know, doing that. I completely agree. And I think the last one on my list for like changes they made that really, really worked kind of is uh, an expansion of that idea in that they made Cheryl and Kevin both pretty fucking important to the, at least the first season, because that's what I've seen. Who knows what happens from there, but making those two much newer additions to Archie comics who are maybe less known and don't have main roles really building them into major plot points in the first season was really smart because there was less expectation for how those characters should be, what iconic traits they should have. And it kind of gave them a lot of leeway to really mold that into the story in a very, very uh, just thoughtful way and way that I think set up that whole murder mystery arc kind of narrative up for success. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all in the details. You can tell that they care. And then we move on to the stuff that they change that make you go, what the fuck? Because sometimes it really felt with this show that they just threw a grenade into the storyline and we're like, let's see what happens after the wreckage. <laughs> so like, We've hit on a couple of them. I'm personally never going to get over the changes they made to Jughead. I am mad at the changes they made to Moose, but we've talked about that. Let's talk about Miss Grundy. Oh boy, Miss Grundy. So in the comics, I mean, speaking of an old character, even throughout the 60s and 70s they kept Miss Grundy in garb from the 40s she had the same outfit as Popeye does in as um olive does olive oil does in the Popeye comics you know it's like a red sweater with a black skirt she's got a gray bun and she's just your kind of stern yet loving sometimes nightmarish teacher and here Miss Grundy is like 19 and a half years old <laughs> They gave her the May Parker treatment from Spider-Man Homecoming, where May went from basically grandma on death's door. Yeah. Bing and babe. Just real fucking hot. 
But at least like Marissa Tomei is like conservatively in her early 50s. She's just like looks amazing for for her age. But like the woman that they've chosen to play Miss Grundy is the same age as the actor who they chose to play Archie. She is young, young, young. And they've given her these ridiculously comical glasses in an effort to make her like nerdy. And I hate when they make a character nerdy and like they just do it by giving her one thing. Like they still give her like low cut shirts, extremely tight pants, you know, a loose kind of bun, you know, that loose bun they have in like perfume commercials, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, and, uh, and they, and then they make her and Archie uh, have an illicit affair and it's gross. It's gross. It's nasty feel uncomfortable to watch and not only have they shoved this frankly quite disgusting uh change that is illegal but they've made it a major plot point i i mean we we've established how uncomfortable i am with um on-screen romance or you know kissing or any of that kind of stuff like unless it's driving the plot in a really important way i'm not down and every time I saw those two characters in a room getting close to each other, like I squealed. I was just like, like, I can't, I don't want to see this. Archie, get away from Miss Grundy. Get away from Miss Grundy. It's disgusting. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Um, so she's like my biggest. I hate, I hate her and not the actress again. She did her job. She did it well, but I just, I could not get on board with that. Um, yeah, keep going on a lighter, but still a little related note. They also made like one of Archie's defining interests, a love of music. And I know that in the comics, there are the pussycats and then there's the equivalent like band that has like Betty and Veronica, uh, and I think Archie. And so there is a comic precedent for it. But no, they made like his life goal become a musician. And I'm sorry, not a single scene with Archie talking about music feels believable or realistic. No, not at all. Like this poor actor is not musically inclined at all. He has honestly probably the hardest job of the entire cast is to be this iconic character and I think they threw a lot of um, really difficult things his way. The number one being, and maybe I'm adding a new category to the ones we've established, things they should have changed but didn't. Um, look, I know Archie is a redhead. I know Archie is a ginger. That's a that's a major thing, a thing that is known in the world, Kelly. But his hair looks fucking ridiculous i don't it, it it sticks up in weird ways they've dyed his hair clearly but it looks really painful like what they've done to this poor man's head um so every time i saw him i was like you kind of look like a fucked up scarecrow they've given you this musical thing where clearly you've never studied music ever um he's like australian or something so he's also like doing an american accent <laughs> Um, and he still does really well. So kudos to him because I feel like they threw this poor man every possible challenge and he's risen to the occasion despite them being like, hey, we're going to like bleach your head and then dye it red. You cool with that? <laughs> Good job, man whose name I don't know and will probably not learn. I think it's, oh, I, I just said it in the What the Geek. I can never remember his last name, but his first name is KJ. Good job, KJ. Good job. All right. So that's Riverdale. Stuff that works, stuff that didn't work. <laughs> I think you had either a game or more questions for me. That's that's what I you told well, me before we started recording. The one question I had, actually, you've already touched on it. And it's stuff they didn't change, but they should have. Right. Yeah. Like changes that would have made sense. And I think that's a great one. I also wish that they had taken more advantage of like Jughead. I mm. I know I'm hung up on the thing. 
and they did make some changes to him. He basically has become this like very serious narrator where he does like all of the intros and outros for the episode and he they've made him like an investigative journalist, which is interesting because it adds some depth to the character, uh, which could have otherwise come off as just like comic relief and very like thin. So I appreciate that. But I don't know. I feel like it's not it's so far different that it doesn't feel like there's any callbacks. I don't know. Could maybe just like make him work at like Pops, right? So that he's like at least like always there. I don't know. I feel like they could have made a change that could have still given him the depth but had some callback. I I don't I don't know what they could have done. I mean, I appreciated the fact that they kept him like the social outcast slash weirdo because that was Jughead's to me defining character trait throughout the different decades of Archie comics was that he did not care about popularity. He did not care about grades. He didn't care about being friends, even though he was a very loyal character and a very honest and true character. He wasn't there to make friends. He was there to be himself. And that does come out in the character that at least in the first three episodes, Jughead's character really goes through (laughs) a lot over the course of the show, I'm told. So um, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, I I appreciate it that they kept some of it. You know, any other changes you would have made? I would have liked to see, like, something with Betty, because they did make a lot of changes to her family dynamic, but to the character itself, I think she's the most unchanged. And it kind of creates this vibe where she feels a little, like, too polished. Really? Because I kind of see her as being slightly unhinged, which is not something we saw in the original Archies. I mean, there's something, there's potential danger with her just like losing it, you know? So, you know what? That's true. All right. I take it back. She does almost boil a man to death in the third yes. episode. I mean, that's how insane this, is how this show is. Is like, yeah, she almost tries to boil someone alive and you don't even, it doesn't even register on the seismic shock scale. You're just like, yeah, this is part of the show. <laughs> And on that note, I did prepare a game for us. Our game that we're going to play is a true or false game. I've prepared five statements about things that happen in the future of the series. So these are plot points in Riverdale uh, from season one all the way up until six. Some true, some false. And you just have to tell me. Is that a real batshit crazy thing that happened in Riverdale? Okay, and and some are true, some are false. Okay, I'm ready. Statement one. The characters regularly partake in a drug called Jingle Jangle. I want to say true because I expect anything of this show, but I also feel like I've heard the name Jingle Jangle, but on a different show. So I feel like you stole that from a different show and put it on Riverdale to trick me. So I'm going to say false. That is true. Okay. (laughs) Jingle Jangle is a drug that is snorted via crazy straw. Kind of like a pixie stick. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Tracks. Jingle Jangle. What a stupid name. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. After joining a cult that worships maple syrup, (laughs) Ben and Cheryl attempt to murder Archie as part of a ritualistic sacrifice to the Maple Maiden. True or false? Oh, like just hearing that I want to say false, but I think it's absolutely true. I think it's absolutely true. It is completely true. Yes. No, it's, you know why? Because the first one, you know, the first question, the regular, the characters fall for a drug called Jingle Jangle. At some point in every teen drama, every single teen drama, there's the drug episode, right? Like it, it's inescapable. Degrassi High, 90210, One Tree Hill, whatever it is. I've never even seen any of these shows. I know there's the drug episode. So that's why I felt like it was lifted from somewhere else. But you asked me that, like, if they try to murder Archie in a ritualistic sacrifice to the Maple Maiden after joining a cult, that has got Riverdale all over it. Like, that has got Riverdale. That is exactly how nuts this show is. And that's how I deducted that. 
In fact, it's not the only cult in the series. Oh, see, I got to keep watching this show. There's... I'm skipping to restock, restock, but I got to keep watching this show. There's another cult called The Farm that Cheryl also is a part of because Cheryl's got a thing for cults, man. The Farm acts as basically like this religious organization that in secrecy is harvesting organs illegally from its patrons. Wow. Oh, they, they have no fear. You know what I mean? The people who yeah, make this show do it. They have no fear. I just there's something so admirable about that. Because <laughs> there's no there's no victim when you're just making it in fantasy. So why not? Like just go nuts. Okay, I'm ready. Hit me, hit me, hit me. All right. Statement three. Archie joins a prison fighting gang after being wrongfully sent to jail for murder. I'm gonna say false. Any reason, any thought process? It's the joins them. Is is Archie present to a prison fighting gang after wrongfully being sent to jail for murder? I believe all of that is possible from a Riverdale standpoint. I just feel like him joining it. I feel like that's something they'd give to Jughead, if that makes any sense. That's just I'm, I'm really stuck on that one word. Jughead's dad is in prison at there least for like the first season he's a prison inmate exactly so it's I, 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 like again the rest of the sentence totally tracks for Riverdale it's the joins part that I'm making it seem false it is true okay, he enthusiastically is. joins a prison <laughs> fighting gang <laughs> your choice of word again enthusiastically joins he's not coerced <laughs> no he's into it okay Okay. All right. I'm ready. Statement four. It is revealed that Veronica has inherited the serial killer gene from her mother. See, again, everything about that sentence makes sense with what I know of this show. I just, but I guess that's it. Cause I was about to say, it seems unlikely that this would happen to Veronica. Would this happen on the show? Yes. But I think I'm now learning from your game here, Kelly, that that's how they're doing it on Riverdale is the shock value of us being, oh, no, not Veronica is what keeps it going. So I'm going to say true. It is false. Mother. <laughs> Betty has inherited the serial killer gene from her mother. Ironically, Betty's father, who does not carry the serial killer gene, is revealed later in the series to be a serial killer. <laughs> I mean, I was right. And then I was right in like my initial assumption and then said the wrong thing. But can you blame me? Can you Not blame me? <laughs> this show. Okay. All right. You got another one for me? Because I'm enjoying this game far more than I should. Last one. After running into financial problems, Kevin decides to sell fetish porn videos of himself being tickled. I would say true. I'm stuck on the tickled part, but I feel like the rest of that sentence holds up. I'm going to say true. It is true. Hey, there you hey, go. A lot of money to see that little gay boy being tickled. <laughs> that is so creepy. And no shade to anyone out there. Who, if that's your fetish, that's your fetish. Like I'm, I'm totally, it's fine. Live your best life. No judgment. But just the fact that it's like part of a character development on a show like this, it's just like, it's okay. I've said it a lot, but this show and is wild. There were so many that I didn't include, but holy shit, is it wild. Veronica opens up an illegal speakeasy in the basement of Pop's Diner. Okay. That's a real plot point. Okay. So like, all right. Uh, Archie is mauled by a bear. (gasps) Hey, if you can incorporate a successful bear mauling into your television show without getting canceled, you figured something out about the human soul. I'm going to put, you know what I mean? I mean, Fonzie jumped a shark and then we never heard about happy days ever again. But like that, Archie got mauled by a bear and that show keeps getting renewed. They've figured something out about us as a species. They, they just have. Yeah, there's there's some interesting ones. Cheryl has the supernatural ability to start fires. That makes sense. She's a redhead. They keep hinting at the supernatural even in the first few episodes. Yep. Cool. Accepted. I mean, it's 
This one's unclear because they never resolve the plot point. But Polly, uh, Betty's sister, and Cheryl may or may not have murdered a baby. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> it's, like, it's like they took 60 years of soap opera plot points, sprinkled some like crystal meth on top of it, and just put it into one season. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. most shows would take entire seasons to unpack just these throwaway sentences that you've been giving me. And Riverdale's like, let's put five of those into one episode. Let's see what happens. It's just, I mean, it clearly is working for them. People fucking love it. I mean, do we, I mean, do we want to get into restock resteep just yet or yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Cause like this show's fucking wild. And whether <laughs> you're, whether you're familiar with the Archie comics or not, one thing that is a true statement is that watching this series, you're going to go through a roller coaster of emotions because it's insane. And I it, don't know how much time we can devote to that because it's, again, insane. It, it's also really hard to describe without getting too much into the plot and then getting too much into the plot will give you crazy mouth. Like there's no way to describe what happens in an episode of Riverdale without you yourself seeming unhinged. You know what I mean? <laughs> like It's just, um, here's the thing. Sometimes we watch a geek and I can see the quality, the effort, the love, the passion behind the geek, but I just can't get on board. I just, I can't see myself watching this show or this reading this book or whatever it is um with Riverdale it's not good in the classical sense you know what I mean they're not they're not following like the dictates of poetics when they're writing this show as we've said they're just kind of throwing everything in together it's not at all the type of show I'm used to watching or would watch I don't like dramas in particular but I understand completely what the fandom sees in it. And I will probably restock because it's just shocking. It's shocking what they do. And it's laugh out loud funny. And it's it's laugh out loud, like ridiculous. You know, it's I've never seen. Have you ever seen the movie Gladiator? Yes. Okay, I've never seen the movie Gladiator. I have no intention of seeing this movie, but I know the line, like, are you not entertained? And that's how I felt at, like, midway point every episode of Riverdale was just like, are you not entertained? You know, they're just like, we're giving you everything all at once. (laughs) I restock for sure. For sure. I need to see the cults, the maple syrup cult. Are you kidding me? I need to see what that I thought I was part of a maple syrup cult just by very much liking maple syrup. I need them to show me different. You know, that's fair. That is completely fair. And I mean, we didn't talk about fucking the the maple syrup thing in episode three at all because it's ludicrous and kind of gross. But like, oh, yeah, maple syrup is a running tread throughout Riverdale. It comes up a lot. It comes up a lot. And as, you know, a, a born and bred Quebecer, even we don't talk about maple syrup as much <laughs> as this show does. It's quite intense. Quite, quite, quite intense. But you, where are you at? I can appreciate the batshit insanity. I love a good TV show that's so bad it starts to be good again. Like, I'm on board for all of that. But I still feel, like, really cut and hurt by... Mm by the changes they made to Jughead and just I don't think I'm going to get over that and maybe I should try to get over that but like the level of excitement I had at the prospect that there was going to be another asexual main character in a mainstream series and one that has like gone on now for six seasons coming on seven that like was really really quite popular And then to have that like removed from you and for the writers to flat out be like, no, 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 we did that deliberately because it wasn't the right kind of gay for our show. Right. That hurts a lot. And, and, you know, you know that if I thought you should keep going, I would tell you that I'd say, I I understand and respect your hurt, but honestly, Kelly, like it's worth it. 
and maybe try to push through it just as you've done for me, especially when it comes to like anime and everything. You're like, okay, I can understand that this would make you uncomfortable, but maybe just try to push through it. I don't think you should do that with this show, honestly. Like, and I don't think, and a lot of the times when we talk about geeks, I end the episode by saying like, everybody needs to see this. You could live, you will live a beautiful, flourishing, fulfilling life never having this show intercede into your life ever again. Like it's not necessary to anyone listening. Who's like, maybe I'll watch Riverdale. Look, watch Riverdale with a big bowl of popcorn, low expectations and a love of all things terrible. But if it makes you even mildly uncomfortable in any way, because they do touch on a lot of what can be very triggering things, you know, they, they do not shy away from tough topics and they don't always treat those topics with the respect they deserve because they are doing it for sensationalism. So unless you're having an absolutely wonderful time watching Riverdale, don't watch Riverdale. It's not adding to the conversation. Okay. Like it's not, it's just not. But that doesn't mean I'm done with Archie comics. No, I now have a deep desire to go out and buy Archie versus Predator and reread that again because that is a thing of beauty. I it need to so borrow good. that immediately. Like you understand, I love the Predator movies. I love them. I need to see that. I mean, it, it's fantastic. You should read it. You would fucking love it. I I cannot wait. I cannot wait. So how in the world did you pair this? <laughs> Much like my pairing today, I didn't think about it. I knew we were going into the kind of teen drama show that is empty calories. It is entertainment, but it's not really entertainment with a message. So I had just gotten an order from Bloom. Bloom is a a Canadian company. I use the word tea very loosely, though. More than anything, they are a powder company. And it's just that a lot of their powders incorporate tea as an ingredient. Uh, So I had just gotten an order from them. So I made a Rose London Fog, which is one of their newer powders, as an ice latte. And I had a nice ice latte. Was it a great pairing? No. Was it a bad pairing? No. It was just a pairing that was there that, you know, and, and I think that's how I would approach pairing this. My process would very much be pick something flavored that you're in the mood for in the moment. Don't overthink it. The show doesn't deserve to have that level of thought put into it. And not because it's not a good show, but like, this is not that deep. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I completely agree with that. I think I'd have a very hard time having a conversation with a fan of Riverdale who like loves the show and thinks it's excellent television not good television i could definitely have a conversation with someone who thinks it's good television excellent television i would probably have to leave and just be like i don't need you i I, you don't need me you don't need my input you don't need my opinion we're clearly coming at this from two very different perspectives enjoy your show i will see you later um I tried to give a little bit more thought to it. I actually paired it with a tea that I've drunk before. I drank with Usagi Ojimbo. So very, very different experience. And I drank Cherry Blossom because the name of the character in the show, one of the characters in the show is Cheryl Blossom. Did not overthink it as well. I was just like, oh, I have Cherry Blossom tea and I'll just drink it because it's it's very, very, it's one letter off from being the name of a character. Um, it paired very well because it's one of my favorite teas. It's a fun tea. It's a fruity tea. It's floral. It's a tea that I really, really like. And that is kind of my recommendation for pairing with Riverdale is to your point, you know, pick something that you like, something that you enjoy, something that you can drink. But honestly, this is one of those times where you should probably also pair it with some kind of indulgent junk food. I think if I had, and if I had done that, I probably would have just picked like a black tea, just like a Twinings Earl Grey or like an orange Pecco or something just to go with like, just like a chocolate bar, (laughs) you know, like you really need to pick it with something junky that makes you happy. And yeah, Riverdale is junky, but (laughs) makes me absolutely delighted. (laughs) It makes me so delighted, but um, no, you do not need to watch this show anyone listening you don't need to watch this show but if ever you're in a really 
just a bad mood for kind of no reason and you're in a funk. Wow, this show will just lift you out of it really well. <laughs> It'll, it's an out-of-body experience. You should try it out. And on that note, I really enjoyed our trip to Riverdale. Um, I don't know that we'll ever get the chance to explore another teen drama as a as a fandom necessarily because I don't I don't really know what's out there in that landscape. I guess maybe like Twilight. I mean, we we haven't pulled the trigger on Twilight yet. I'm I'm honestly I'll say it. I'm afraid of that fandom. I feel like if I don't if I'm not like a hundred percent behind Twilight, like they will come at me. Whereas I feel like the Riverdale people will be like, yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> they'll be cool about it <laughs> i mean controversial statement but is there even an active twilight fandom anymore like oh, do, i don't know are people still at that like level of intensity that they once were i don't know i don't really know anybody that's a part of that fandom and it's not a fandom like i naturally like interact with so i have no idea but hey Listeners, if you have any suggestions for fandoms that are outside of our wheelhouse, as always, but if you have, I don't know, the drama world is interesting. The teen drama world is fascinating. If you have any suggestions for us, hit us up on Instagram at Geeksteep. Let us know your favorite teen dramas. If you would be into a Twilight episode, Um, maybe in general, I think there are other like teen drama vampire things specifically so as two very outspoken Buffy fans maybe if there's another like vampire teen drama Twilight or otherwise that you think is worth our time checking out also let us know and uh we will see you next week for my fandom pick I'm really excited I guess my teaser will be uh We're going into symbiote territory. You're going into symbiote territory. I'm scared. I'm a little scared, but I am so deeply appreciative I have you as my guide through it because buckle up. Once again, here we go. We don't shy away from it on Geeks Deep. So have a great two weeks, everybody. And we'll see you next episode. Bye.